Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. information about Redemption Church, please visit redemptionokc.com. You can stay up to date on sermons by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Hey, let me pray for us and we'll get in the Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace that we have in Christ. Thank you that you did not leave us to ourselves, but that you have rescued us, that you have delivered us from the darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus. Father, thank you for the life we have in him. Father, I pray for our family here today. God, would you continue to wake us up to your goodness and your beauty and your truth. Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as Chris was saying, we, uh, it's kind of an interesting time to be a part of the, uh, the life of our church. We just had our fifth birthday celebration, and we're excited and really looking forward to years five to ten and beyond, and just asking the Lord, Lord, what, what would you have us to do? Who, who do you want us to become as a church family? And, and part of that is we've really resisted kind of having this formal membership uh, as we started in kind of our, what I call the church plant years of the first five years. But we're kind of moving in a direction of saying, what does it look like for us to covenant together corporately as a church community, as a family, as a team, as, as a group of people that have committed to be a part of this local church in this time and in this place, and, and asking the Lord, what does it look like for all of us to be a part of this thing called the church? And so we're, we're asking some important questions in this series and just saying, Lord, what is it, where is it you want us to go and why is it that we're here? What's discipleship and life look like in 2019? So we're talking about this thing called membership and really membership for me is, it's about discipleship. It's about what does it look like for us as followers of Christ to, to continue to, to grow in our understanding of what the scriptures say about the, what the church is intended to be and what it means for each of us to be a part of this thing called the church. And so as we lean into that topic over the next few weeks, that, next few weeks, that really is where we're going to go. And uh, if you're new here, we've got a Connect Lunch coming up on April the 28th, and that's a great chance for you to come in and ask questions. And so as we talk about some of that here, uh, you're going to hear an awful lot of the things that, that we're talking about. But you may have specific questions, and you may want to just get to know us. April the 28th, we'd love to invite you to sit down for a lunch right after uh, this time, and we'll be able to, uh, right after church on Sunday, and just sit down and, and have a conversation with you. And then for those of you that have been around a while, we're also on May the 5th, going to have a family update and Q&A. And that really is just a chance for you guys to come in and for us just to have a conversation about kind of where we're going as a church, uh, where things are, and we just want to keep you abreast of all those things. And so hope that you would Put that on your calendar and jump in. So let's get into this this morning. 1985, uh, some of you weren't around, I know, I'm dating myself. Uh, th- there was a, a very important song that came out called All You Zombies. Any of you know the Hooters? Yes, so the song came out, All You Zombies, and it was the first time I really remember thinking about this idea of the walking dead, this idea of zombies. And it, as I listened to this song back then, um, as a young guy, very young man at that point. Uh, but it talked about sitting in the dark, living all by themselves, 
It says, you don't have to hide anymore. All you zombies, show your faces, all you people in the street. It was the first time I'd ever thought about this idea of people that are going through the motions of life, but they're not fully awake. They're going through the motions of life and they're walking and they're doing all these things, but in many ways, they're, they're sitting in the dark. They're, they're not fully engaged. They're not fully embraced, embracing all of life. And that idea stuck with me. And, you know, it's shown up an awful lot in the last few years. Zombie novels have taken off and zombie shows have taken off and The Walking Dead. You have all these things that are all over. And I think there's a reason for that. I think there's something in our experience that makes us feel like zombies sometimes. We're busy, we're running, we're doing things, and we're asking ourselves the question, is there not more to life? Is there not something more than this? Because I feel like I'm still asleep, even though I'm going through the motions of, of my days, day in and day out. And that really is why whenever, for me, it's significant when you look at scriptures in Romans, it says that if you're a Christian, you've been made alive to God in Christ Jesus. That, that you, you, were, you were living, uh, that you're living, you're walking, uh, you, you're functioning on this planet. Somehow you were, you were dead, at some level, but spiritually, when you became a Christian, spiritually, you became alive to God, that somehow he birthed something new in you. And, and we live in a city where many of us are, are sleepwalking through the streets of our city. We've got tons of people who think that they're Christians, but they may not really be alive to God. They may just have had some experience in churches, but they don't really have a heart that's been captured by the grace of Jesus. We've got a city of people that are successful and they're, they're healthy and they're living very good lives on the outside, but many of them are walking apart from Christ and they, they don't feel or sense a need for Christ. In some ways, they're the walking dead that they need to be waking up. And so when we think about it for us as a church, really this next five years, one of the things we're, we're, we're saying is we want to be a church that seeks to help everyday people wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. We want to be a presence in the city that just helps people wake up to, to, to the fullness of life that Jesus wants to give them. We just believe that there's more. We believe that people, that maybe they, they think they've, they've tasted a little bit of, uh, of who Jesus is, but they've never fully embraced who he is. As uh, Billy Graham used to say, they've been inoculated. They had a little bit, but they, they, they had a, enough of Jesus to, uh, to have a taste, but they didn't get enough to get the full disease of Christianity. They, they need to somehow be taken over. And so as we think about this for us as a church, and I'm excited to talk about this today because uh, really we want to talk about what does it look like for us to be a presence in the city in, in order to help uh, to do some of the things that we do and, and why we do those and how important you are to this mission. That you really are essential to everything that we are going to do as a church. We really, honestly, we could, we could take, talk about multiple avenues of how to live this out, and someday we need to do that. Today, we're really gonna look at one aspect of, of one thing we do and focus in on that thing. So let's dig in. If we can uh, open your Bibles, go to me to First Peter chapter two. Uh, we're gonna actually skip around. Most of the time, if you're new here, uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll teach the book of the Bible and we'll, we'll dive in and, and plug in there. Um, there you go. All right. Um, oftentimes we'll work through a book of the Bible. Today we're really going to be doing something a little different. We're going to skip around and look at a lot of different passages. So I've put them on the screen for you as well if you want to grab those there or just follow along there. First Peter chapter 2. It says this. 
We'll just read verses 9 and 10. This is speaking of us in the church. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I love this picture of the church and all that it means for us. And as we think about what this, uh, just the images that he uses here to talk about the church, and we, we really see that everything starts with God. It says we, we are a chosen race. We may have thought that we, that we chose God, but what we see here is God chose us. We, we may have thought that we possess God, but really God possess us, that, that we've been given to him. And when you think about this, uh, this phrase, it says we're a royal priesthood. Boy, there's something there, isn't it? Somehow you are connected to royalty. You are connected to the priesthood. You know, when I talk to people, when I, when, many of you in just your own experiences of life, not many of us feel regal. Not many of us feel like, like we're priests that mediate God's presence to people. But you are. God in bringing you into the church has connected you to King Jesus and he's connected you to, to, the, the work, to his work in the world. It says we are a holy nation. When it's talking about a holy nation, it's a nation, it's a people that's been set apart to God's purposes, that, that you've been completely set apart for him. We exist for God. We operate to God. We bring people to God as a, as a people that are, that are his own. A people, it says, for God's own possession and we thought we were looking for God, but God, God was seeking us. You are like, you're like a prized work of art in the house of God. You're like a valuable family heirloom that he would never let go of. You're his possession. You're, you're, you're someone that he wants to, uh, to, to associate himself with. Now, some of us need to hear that reality. Some of us just, we've got a view of ourselves that think you, you really couldn't contribute in this thing called the church. Some of us feel like, man, I, you don't know, you don't know my life. If you knew how broken I was, you'd know that I, I really couldn't contribute. You really don't, you don't want me helping at the church because I've, I've been too sinful. If you knew my past and knew all the things I've done, uh, you, you would not think that I could be one of those that contributes to the, the mission of God and the planet and yet what we see is if you're a believer in Jesus and you've been rescued out of the darkness, brought into his marvelous light, you're brought into this church, you're a part of a, a holy nation set apart to him, you're part of God's own possession that he looks and makes and says you're one of mine, you are a royal priesthood, you're a chosen race. God desires to use you as a part of this church. But really what you see here is that the church is something we get to be a part of. The church is a blessing for us. You notice it's also, it's interesting here that, that after he tells us all of the things we've been given by God in the church, he then gives us an assignment. Hey, we've been given an assignment. It says, so that you, you experience all these things so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. That's why we exist. That's, that's the why behind the church. We exist to make him known. We exist to declare the goodness and the grace of God. We exist to tell, to, 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 we really exist for God's glory and we exist to tell God's story. 
And God's story is that he came to us when we were in darkness and he rescued us and delivered us into his marvelous light. And that's the story that, uh, that, that the church gets to tell, but you know, it's the story you get to tell too. See, if you are a Christian, what it means is there was once a time when you were in darkness. Every one of us, each of us was in darkness and we were rescued by Jesus and brought into his marvelous light. There was a change that happened. We woke up, we were made alive to God. We were separated from God and we've been reconciled to him. We've been rescued by him. And we enjoy all these amazing blessings from God. And what God asks of us is that we would tell our story of his amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. We're called to tell that story. You know, next week uh, when we have Easter, uh, we're going to be sharing with you one of uh, our members' stories. And we're going to be sharing some of, some of their story and what they've been about. And, and we sometimes call that a testimony or a redemption story. And we're going to be sharing that. And one of the things that we want to be about as a church is we want to tell more stories. We want to tell everyone's story. In fact, as a member of the church, we're going to ask everyone that comes in to the church as a member to tell their story. Not necessarily getting up on stage or anything, but we're going to create some avenues where we just want you to tell your story and say, hey, here's where I was in darkness and here's what it looks like for me to be to move into the kingdom of, or into his marvelous light. We get to testify and tell, uh, for God's glory, we get to tell our story and the story of the rescue that we've experienced. And so, and I wanna encourage you just as you think about Easter next week, would you just pray for that? Pray that as, as we invite guests and as they come to hear, uh, that, they would, that they would see the story of Jesus. We're gonna be sharing about the prodigal son and I'm gonna be, be preaching just a simple, clear gospel message out of, uh, out of Jesus' parable, the, the, the story of the prodigal son, and really the story of two sons. And as we, as we share that story, we're gonna also tell a story of one of our, one of our um, uh, people that attend our church. And I'm just gonna pray that, that God uses that to wake some people up to his grace and to his goodness. And we've ordered a whole bunch of books. We're gonna have stacks of Prodigal God, the, the book that we give away, uh, ready to give away. I mean, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you guys invite your friends enough that we give away every book we've got. And we just ordered a bunch more. They're gonna be coming in this week. We're gonna have stacks of them out there. I'm praying that we have guests that come in and they take every one of those books away and, and that somehow God uses that to wake them up to the beauty of his story and the story of his grace. And so as we think about as we think about that story, let's look at one other passage that speaks to this, 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians 5, and we're gonna look just at a few verses here, starting in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And I, I love uh, the way the scriptures talk about the mission of the church and what it is that we are called to do. Again, we see the idea that, that we were made alive in Christ, that we're a new creation, that that which was once dead is now experiencing something new. The old has passed and something new has come. There's a sense whenever we're saved that, we're wake, that we wake up 
to a greater reality. We wake up to a deeper and more meaningful life. All this is from God. God's the one that does the work. Notice it mentions two things. It says that God reconciled us to himself and then God also gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You notice there's no separation between those two things. That God said he, he reconciled us, he saved us, he connected us to himself and immediately said, and now I want you to go do the work of connecting others to me, reconciling others to me. That when we're saved, we're saved to save others. When we're reconciled to God, we're reconciled in order to rec- help reconcile others. In Christ, it says, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What does it mean that God entrusts us with something? It means he's, he's counting on you. He's depending on you. He's, he's trusting you to follow through with the task that he's given you. He saved you in order to entrust you with the ability to help save others through Christ. So immediately when we're saved, we're saved to a mission. We're, we're saved to a mission or a ministry of reconciliation, of making his goodness known to others and helping them be restored in relationship to God. Uh, this is the task of the church. Notice it says we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, you're gonna have to put your thinking cap on for just a minute. So let's, let's dig a little deep here as we think about what this really looks like. God, it says, is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. And the way he's going about this reconciliation ministry is he's doing it through you and through me, through us in this, in this thing called the church. That he has is, is, um, entrusted us with this message and he's placed us in this city as his ambassadors. David Daniels says this about this role that we've been given. Every church exists in part for those who are not here, but should be. God places his people in particular places at particular times to participate in his grand mission. So the people in the vicinity of our church are our people, the ones we're called to reach. I mean, do you ever drive through the, the city or, or go to eat after church or uh, drop your kids off at school and see all those people and say, those are our people. The, those are the ones in the world that, G, that God sent Jesus to reconcile. Whenever we, we rub shoulders with them, whenever we have conversations with them, whenever we share a cup of coffee with them, whenever we stand in line at the grocery store with them, you need to understand those are our people that God has positioned us here and said, you are an ambassador to those people, the the ones that are within reach of our city. They're the ones that he sent us to, that we're representing King Jesus in the midst of this city, in the midst of these people. And this is what we're to be about. So for us here in Edmond, it means we're ambassadors showing our city what Jesus is like and what Jesus' kingdom is like. Uh, Harvey Kahn describes it this way as a great uh, way of pick, uh, to me, or just an analogy for this. He says, perhaps the best analogy to describe all of this is that of a model home. We are God's demonstration community of the rule of Christ in the unbelieving city. On this tract of earth lands, purchased with the blood of Christ, Jesus, the kingdom developer, has begun a building a new housing development. As a sample of what will be, he has erected a model home of what will eventually fill the urban neighborhood. He now invites the world into that model home to take a look at what will be. The church is the occupant of that model home, inviting neighbors into its open door to Christ. 
Evangelism is when the signs are up saying, come in and look around. In this model home, we live out our new lifestyle as citizens of the heavenly city that will one day come. And friends, we, we were sent here to be kind of a model home of what Jesus is one day gonna build when he makes all things new. And so when we, when we invite people to come in the doors of this place, they are to get a taste of what Jesus' kingdom is like and what the eventual city that Jesus is going to bring will be like. It's, it's a taste of heaven here on earth. It's what Jesus prays on earth as it is in heaven. That, that his kingdom would rule in Edmund as it does in heaven. That one day we would get to, or that we would give people a taste of what we one day look forward to and will experience. Friends, as we think about this, I mean, we, we have a chance to reconcile those to God who are currently in darkness. Those who are walking in, in, in darkness but need to know his marvelous light. You know, one of the things we say here is that everyone has a story. Everyone walks in with a story. And as I interact with so many people, there's so much more pain and there's so much more struggle and so much more difficulty. And the, the shame that we walk in, into a place like this with, oftentimes uh, we, we put a mask on, we hide behind uh, kind of the smile and we, and we, we look, the, look the part. But there's other stuff that's going on. I was reminded this week, had a young man who passed away and lost his battle with addiction, a man who's, who's attended our church in the past and a funeral will be tomorrow. But I was reminded of just the brevity of life, the darkness that so many people have. And as, you, as they're walking in darkness, they may walk in this place and we have the opportunity to engage them for God's glory, to tell them of his love, to tell them of the marvelous beauty of who Jesus is and his grace and his mercy. And you, we just don't know when you open a door for someone that walks in to this building on a Sunday, you don't know where they are. You don't know what they're carrying. You don't know what darkness they're, they're walking in with. You don't know the fog that maybe is in their head. You don't know the hurt or the pain or the difficulty there. You don't know how sin has beat them up the night before. You may not know where their church hurt is. You may not know what their family is going through. But when they walk through the door, we have the opportunity to proclaim his goodness to them in a way that they might wake up to the fullness of life that Jesus wants to give them. And friends, you may be the one who's in darkness today. That as I describe that, you may be the one that goes, hey, I'm that person. I'm the one that feels like I'm in darkness. I'm the one that doesn't really get it and I don't really understand. I'm the one that feels blind and you're talking about grace and God's mercy and his love and his glory and you just go, man, it doesn't mean anything to me. And God may use this, uh, this passage today to, to, to open your eyes, to allow you to see, not just to see something, but to, to see what it truly is. And, and, and we, we are here for you. We'd love to walk with you if, if you're in a place where you still feel like you're in darkness. We'd love to tell you about the light of Christ and what he wants to give you. But it's also our opportunity for us to do this as a church. For such a time as this, God has placed us here to be his ambassadors, his representatives, the ones who point others to him. Now, in order for us to live kind of as a model home in our city, inviting people in, it's just gonna take all of us to do some work. It's gonna require all of us to kind of roll up our sleeves and, and, and kind of roll out the red carpet for those who are coming in because we wanna proclaim the excellencies of him who saved us. And so as we think about 
really what it looks like. Uh, when we talk about membership, it really is talking about members of one body. Uh, Romans 12 uh, kind of points to this idea. And Paul says, for as in one body, we have many members and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Uh, I love how simple that is. It says, look, we're, we're a body. We're, we're one unit that operates together. Jesus is our head. We're the body. We have many members and every member has gifts. And according to the gifts you have, uh, he gives this really high tech answer. He says, just use them. Like you've got gifts, go do it. Like go use them, put them to work. God didn't give you gifts so you could hoard them and hold them to yourself. God gave you gifts so you could use them to help serve the body. It's the way he's rigged this thing. He's put us all together in this thing called the church and everyone uh, should have some place where they serve and where, where they're engaged in, in what it is that, that we're called to do. Ephesians 4 says that, uh, that he gave, uh, gave pastors to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When, when everyone's doing their part, when every part is working properly, it builds, it, it flexes the muscles of the church so that it builds itself up and grows into uh, looking more like Jesus, into maturity. But, but it, notice it says, and Chris referred to this earlier, it's every part is working properly, then it's going to grow. It means everyone's got to pitch in. Everyone's got to, got to do the part. Everyone's got to lean in to this thing called the church and roll up their sleeves. And so many of you do an amazing job of that. You know, as we think about what it looks like to serve, I think it's, there's so many different ways and so many different opportunities. And we talk about living on mission. We talk about what it means to serve. And some of that I understand takes place here on Sundays. Sometimes your ministry is elsewhere. Uh, you know, we're going to go on mission trips and I'll be in Ecuador later this, uh, later this summer or this summer. And, uh, others of you will, will be going on mission trips and doing other things. Others of you are engaged in, uh, in foster care. Uh, others of you are engaged in things all over the city. And all of that is ministry and service. And all of that really matters. But we also know that one of the things for us as a church, if we're going to invite people in here to hear God's story, then we also have stuff on Sundays that have to get done. And so as we think about this, um, and the hand, one of the handouts that was sitting on your, uh, on your, uh, your chair as you came in this morning just talks about essentials of who we are. And I want to just point out one aspect of that. On page two, there's a little section there that that's, talks about our structure as the church. One of the things I want you to know is we are volunteer operated. The, the volunteers make up almost everything that happens at Redemption Church is done through volunteers who invest their time and energy to make our services and ministries possible. Uh, we share the job and the joys of sharing the gospel of Jesus and making a difference in our community by contributing our talents to the church in a serving role. Um, and our desire is that every person who calls redemption their home would have a place of service somewhere on Sunday. That even though your, your primary ministry and your primary calling may be outside the walls of the church, we really desire for everyone to serve on Sundays here as well. And so that, that, that we would jump in and whether that's once a week, I mean, once a month or every other week, there's a couple different opportunities that, that we can roll that out. But we really hope that every single person's got some place where they're serving here on Sundays. 
And our serve team leaders are immensely important to this and really function in kind of a deacon role for us in, in the life of our church. But the, this is essential for us to function as God has intended for us to function within the body and within our city. Now, here's what I want to, want to, uh, want to acknowledge as we think about this. Um, this isn't the only way to do church. We could do church without this. There's other models of church. I'm not saying this is the only way to do church, to ask everyone to serve on Sundays and for us to set up and have a large group gathering like this, but it is our way. It's the way in which we're doing it, and there's reasons for that. Uh, there's, there's, uh, in the church, you look at kind of the spectrum of missional and attractional churches, and we really are both in many ways because we're here in the Bible Belt, and we just know that most people that come in here have some experience in church in the, in the past. And so what that means is we want to do things with excellence. We want to do things really well so that people want to be a part and we want to engage with the things that we're doing. But also we want to have an eye on sanity. Like we don't want to be crazy. And so we want to do things really well, but keeping an eye on, on something that's sustainable and, and keeps us sane. Um, but our desire is for everyone to serve somewhere. Let me show you why this is important. Uh, I've got a picture here of a, a floor plan. And when you think about a floor plan for a house, uh, this model home that we're inviting people to experience, uh, we really desire to, or we really recognize that, that for, for us in, in this city and this time, the great room really is Sunday mornings. That when, when you go through the front door of, of this home and you step in, you, the, the first thing you do is you go into the great room and, and out of that, everything else flows. And so as you think about the great room, we really want to do things well. Sunday morning is the great room that, that everything else moves, uh, moves uh, towards or, or that we begin in and everything else moves out into. Now you understand what this is like. Think of the first time you have a guest over to your house. Um, you I'm going to guess you tell your kids to go pick up all the stuff, put the toys away, um, all those things. Shut the door to your bedroom because the first time someone comes over, they're not getting back there. You know, all that, that's off limits. We're coming over. We're going to hang out in the great room. Surely we can get one room clean. And so we get one room clean. We, we maybe bring some snacks in. We practice some hospitality. We invite them in. We put our best foot forward. We do this all over in life, right? Uh, dating, the first, time, the first time you went on a date, with your spouse or uh, maybe with, with a significant other, I'm going to guess makeup was involved, ladies. Like, I'm going to guess that you, you actually did your hair. Guys, I'm going to guess you actually rolled out with a plan. Like, you didn't just roll up and go, what you want to do? You know, you probably, like, you had some idea of what you were going to do because you wanted to make a good first impression. Yeah, you go in for a job interview. Uh, those of you who are college students, uh, let me just give you a tip. Um, dress fairly nicely, maybe, a, maybe better than you would on a normal day, but you just, you kind of got to look sharp. Uh, show up on time. You want to make a good impression, have your stuff together. Like actually maybe get on the website and read a little bit about the company that you're interviewing for so that you make a good impression when you walk in there. We do this in every other area of life. We have to do this as a church too. We want to make a good first impression for people when they walk in. Why? Because we've got the best news that the world will ever hear. We want to proclaim the excellencies of him who rescued us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Surely, if we do good first impressions in every other avenue of our life, surely in the place where we get to proclaim his goodness, we ought to do the same thing. And so when we think of uh, the great room, it really starts off in Sundays. But 
you know what? We don't want people just to come to a big event on Sundays. We really want to move them into other things. But what I know is if we don't do Sunday well, we're not going to get them to go into a small group. We're not going to get them to jump onto a serve team. We're not going to have the, the, the privilege of walking with them and in, in inviting them into all these other avenues. We're not going to get to invite them to a be-trained class where we can teach them the Bible and how to understand the things that, uh, the things that we believe. We're, we're not going to be able to invite them into a parenting uh, relationship where, and I want us to be able to speak. I, I look at so many families in this city, and it's a great place to grow, but, but we need to grow up spiritually too, not just academically and athletically and all the other things. And we have a chance to, to walk and partner with parents to help them understand that, that they're the primary disciple makers of their kids. But if, we don't, if they don't have a good experience on Sunday, it's going to be hard for us to earn the right to speak into their discipleship of their children. And so we desire to do Sundays well. We, want, uh, we recognize there are people in our city that God's going to raise up as leaders but they're not going to listen if they don't have a good experience here on Sunday. And we have uh, people that God's going to save and then send them back out as ambassadors. We want to multiply the number of voices that are telling people the goodness of Jesus. But they're not going to go about the process of witnessing if they don't have a good experience here. And so for us, I just want to acknowledge, I mean, there's a focus for us on Sunday mornings because it's the avenue. The arrow kind of, once you come in here, goes to all those other things. And if we want to get people plugged into all the other avenues of our church so that we can help them grow as disciples, we've, we've got to do Sunday well. And so as we think about this, we just want to, I want to encourage you to, to think about where it is God would have you to serve. And some of you have served faithfully for years at this church. And I just want to say thank you. I mean, keep going. Don't give up. Don't grow weary with doing good. Stay the course. It's worth it. We have the chance to, and God is changing lives here. We're gonna, we're gonna try to tell some stories over the next few weeks so that you just get to hear the way in which God has used you to help facilitate his work in people's lives here at our church. And so we wanna continue to, to do that. And so I wanna encourage you to, to keep going. Some of you who have kind of taken a break and maybe you took a you step back, and what would it look like for you to step back in and say, man, I want to get back up under the mantle of the church and function as a part of this body. Maybe some of you are new and you've never yet served here. Man, today's the day. Let's get in. Let's, we've, got, we've got stuff to do and good things that God's going to do as we head into Easter, as we head into this next year. Um, God wants to use you to be a part of building up this body. And so I want to invite you to be a part. If you've got that Connect card that was on your chair, um, the simplest thing you do is take that, just fill it out, um, you can check their little box there that says, my next step is serve teams. And you can bring it to me or you can drop it off at the next steps table on the way out. Uh, but we'd love to get you plugged in. Let me just tell you, the, I think one of the things we have on Sundays is, uh, one of the things I hear people say is, man, I understand you guys have needs, but I don't feel called to kids. Or I don't feel called to, uh, to set up, tear down. I, I really feel like my calling is elsewhere. And you want know to say, that's awesome. You should go do that and you should do this too. Um, you know, it's interesting to me, Jesus, uh, as he was talking with his disciples, uh, kind of near the end of his life, there was a, a great uh, situation where he, where, where he brings the disciples in and Jesus gets down on his, and he takes his towel off and he begins to just wash their feet. Um, can I just say this? There is no spiritual gift of foot washing. Like there's no one that feels passionately called to wash someone's feet. 
Like if you're that person, there's probably other issues we got to talk about. But like no one wants to wash feet, but Jesus got down on his hands and knees and washed their feet and it kind of freaked the disciples out. And they're like, oh dude, you can't do that. And Jesus said, no, I, I have to wash your feet. And then Jesus came around at the end and he said, here's what I need you to understand. You call me Lord and you call me teacher. And yet I washed your feet. The, the pupil is not greater than the master. Therefore you should serve one another and wash feet as well. Jesus said, you should go and serve in ways that don't come naturally to you because it's important for us to learn to love one another. So, you know, even as we invite you into being a part of the mission, here's what I want to encourage you. And it's good for your soul to do things that maybe don't line up perfectly with everything you want to do. It's good for you because it, it exposes places where maybe you got fears. It exposes places where maybe you've got some pride. It exposes those places where maybe you need to deepen your faith a little bit. It exposes those places where you need to rest in the Lord a little bit more and learn to depend on him and walk with him week in and week out. It, serving uh, opens us up to ways in which we're gonna grow. And so individually we grow and then corporately we also grow as we serve together. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that. And let me just tell you, like, this stuff's not that hard, and it's honestly is a lot of fun. Uh, my, my kids love to be up here serving all the time. I love to be able to get back and serving kids when I can, get to know your kids and be a part of uh, kind of their development and, and see them. And then I bump into them here on Sundays. And, and it's, it's a joy to get to serve. But like, if you can push a lawnmower at your house, you can push one of these carts. Like, I, I promise you will do it. If you can make a pot of coffee at home, you can make several pots of coffee for us to make sure that you guys are caffeinated and listening whenever we get to a sermon. If you can stand and smile, you can be a greeter. If you can pour yourself a glass of wine on a Friday night after a long week, you might be called to the communion team uh, because you're capable of doing that task. If you can hold a baby without fumbling, you, you can jump in and, and serve in our kids' ministry. Like there's so many things that you can do and I promise you there are gifts that every one of you have that you're gonna bring and some of you are gonna bring unique gifts that I mean, you're gonna come to life as you start to serve here. Some of you are gonna bring musical gifts that maybe you didn't even think you liked music in the church and one day you're gonna look up and you're leading worship in a church. There's all kinds of things that God is going to do to use the, the ministry of the church in your life and we get to be a part of it. But all of it ultimately is not about you or me. It's ultimately about Jesus. We get to proclaim the excellencies of him who rescued us from darkness and brought us into light and gave us fullness of life. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you that we get to declare your goodness and your grace and your mercy as people that are of your own possession. Father, thank you that though once we did not know mercy, now we know mercy. Once we were not a people, now we are a people. It's all for your glory. Help us to tell your story well. Father, make us servants in all things, both on Sundays, but also in the rest of the week that we might put on display your goodness and the kingdom that you'll one day build, that we might just give people a taste of that week in and week out. Father, whet our appetite for more of you and more of your kingdom. Father, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.